today. The second thing uh, I wanted to do real quick is I just want to honor, of course, on Memorial Day weekend, all of the military families that are that are joining us uh, wherever you are. If you are a family who uh, had uh, has had family who served in the military and gave their life, right, the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms, all of our freedoms, constitutional freedoms that are being tested right now, and so many other things that are inherent and, and in the foundations of our nation. And you're a family who's lost a loved one uh, to, in service to our country. I, I would love you to do this. Would you just go and put the American flag right in the chat? Go right, right there. Go find it in your emojis. If you need to go up into the little corner and pull up your keyboard and find it, it may take you a second. Or on your phone, just join the chat and put the American flag in there and let us know that you're a family who's lost a loved one, a grandfather, a brother, a son in service of our nation. And I want to say personally and on behalf of all of our church, my family and our church, how grateful we are for your service, your family's sacrifice, the freedoms that we enjoy and even have to fight for sometimes in our nation. Your family made the ultimate sacrifice for, and I'm grateful and I know I know hundreds of thousands, millions of people are grateful for it. I know that doesn't, doesn't bring back the warmth of their presence, but we're grateful for the sacrifice. So would you let us celebrate you? Just put a, a little American flag there in the chat would be awesome. Last week, we started a brand new series called Ghosted. We're gonna continue it today, so let's pray and we'll dive in. God, we love you and we're grateful to be worshiping you. We're grateful to be engaging your word. We're grateful to be doing it even digitally with others. God, we're grateful that the freedoms to do this are not oppressed or suppressed, God. While we're distant right now, we're grateful that we're in a nation that is celebrating freedom, that our, our president recognizes that churches are essential and necessary. And God, we're believing that as you continue to eradicate this virus, to, to eliminate the overwhelming sense of fear and, and the pandemic nature of this virus, God, that soon we will be together again. And I thank you that there are elements in our government that see not only the importance of, but the essentiality of the local church. God, we know we're not unable to participate in our faith just because we're distributed. But God, the gathering is so critical to who we are. It's voiced in, in the book of Acts and we wanna be able to do it, Lord. So thank you for working on our behalf. Thank you for continuing to heal our nation and the world. God, we invite you by your spirit to be present and meet us in our homes, in our, in our, in our, in wherever we're located, bedrooms, back decks, God. Meet with us by your spirit in Jesus' name. And wherever you are, I want you to say it nice and loud. Say amen, go ahead, say amen. Teach your family to say Amen is a good thing. Listen, last week we started this, this idea of ghosted. I, I just want to jump back to where we left off because I want to talk a little bit about an outcome. I told the story of my kids being ghosted in high school and uh, in middle school. And, and when we moved out here, this experience they had. If you weren't with us, I hope you'll go back and watch the message. But one of the outcomes from this moment that they had with their friends was that at Halloween, uh, in that season, someone would leave a bag of goodies on the porch with a little note on it. They'd ring the door they disappear and you would go and open the door and it wouldn't be a prank it would be a blessing and it would have a little note that said you've been ghosted and we talked about that a little bit last week and how if you didn't get that experience you were so upset you'd go to school and say oh how come I haven't been ghosted yet and once you were ghosted you got the joy of going around and giving away that experience making that possible for others it's an awesome awesome thing and I hope this week you've been saying Lord I want to be ghosted Lord ghost me Lord, I'm looking to be ghosted but I want to I I take another little step into that, that parallel or analogy for a minute. I want you to think about this. 
My kids, when, when we would open the door and that, that when we finally were ghosted, we would open the door and they'd be enthusiastic. And on the front doorstep was this bag with a note and they would grab the bag and they'd bring it inside. And what would they do? They would immediately get all the gifts that were in the bag. They'd open it up, they'd pull out whatever it was. It was usually candy, but sometimes there were some other little trinkety gifts in there and they couldn't wait to open it up. And of course, they all tried to argue about who did the ghosting and who gets the things. But the point is, they didn't bring the bag in, set the bag beside the door and simply recognize that there had been a ghosting. They wanted all of the goodies in the bag from the ghosting. In other words, they didn't want the bag of gifts to not be accessed just to be able to say they'd been ghosted. One of the things that was the most, most joyful, most experiential of being ghosted was opening the bag of gifts. And I want to talk to you about that today because I think in this journey of, of knowing the Holy Ghost, this, this conversation about what does it mean? The Holy Ghost is part of the Trinity, but how do I engage the full measure of the Holy Ghost? One of the things you need to know is the gifts that come with it. Because I think part of the reason that people are, 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 are hesitant or unfamiliar or unwilling or think the Holy Ghost is weird is because they don't really understand what, what, what is part of the deal. When you get ghosted, there's some things that come with that. Now, I want to say this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to go. So if you have your Bible, I hope you'll open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read, read a passage here. But I want to be really clear on the front end. Access to the Holy Ghost is not something separate from salvation. The Holy Ghost is part of the triune being that is the Godhead. So when we surrender our life to Jesus, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all part of the relational engagement that begins. But the New Testament talks about some more engagement, another type of engagement, another powerful manifestation, demonstration, infilling empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, historically, when that kind of language is used and we talk about that, there are kind of two, two lanes. There are people who believe that the, the, the things that the Spirit does went away. It's called cessationism. They believe that the works of the Spirit ended when the apostles died. Or you're in another category that says, no, the works of the Spirit are still at work on the earth today and available to every believer because Jesus said, greater things than these will you do. And the empowerment to do them is only possible by the power of God. It's not in our own power. And that's what, that's what I believe is the most accurate understanding and interpretation of Scripture as it relates to gifts of the Spirit, that they're not gone, they're not dead, they didn't pass away, they are still at work. We have a way to begin to engage and talk about them. And so we're going to look at this for just a few minutes this morning because I want you to understand kind of as you're thinking about, well, what is this Holy Ghost moment? And, and, and again, we're using ghosted for the conversation because it's relevant, but whether you call him the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the same thing, the third person of the Trinity, okay? And so when I'm, when I'm referencing ghosted, when I say Holy Ghost, if that, if that language makes you a little uptight, say Holy Spirit, it's okay. It's all, all the same here. But I want you to write down uh, a big idea. Uh, actually, before I do that, let's do this. If you have your Bible, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read a few scriptures really quickly together, and then we'll, we'll kind of you know, dive in here. So 
1 Corinthians chapter 12. The reason we're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is there are a few places in Scripture that gifts are talked about. And um, these gifts of the Spirit. But they're, they're, they're all a variant of gift. There's a slight differentiation between the gifts. And 1 Corinthians 12 does a great job in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12. Paul does a great job when he writes this letter to the church at Corinth. He does it to regulate some things that are out of control in the church and correct some things. He affirms some things, but he also deals with some things. And 1 Corinthians 12 deals with, with the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about the, the most important thing, which is love, regardless of whether all these gifts are there or not. And he doesn't say that to diminish them because he tells us to aspire to the greatest gifts. But then, then 1 Corinthians 14, he does some regulation of these things. So we're going to hang out in 1 Corinthians 12 because it sets the stage for the differentiation between types of gifts. And you say, Pastor David, wow, this seems heavy. Listen to me. When my kids brought in the bag off the porch, if there were really big candy bars that were in there, they didn't go, you know what? That's too big for me. I, I can't get into the big candy bars. I need the little bite-sized stuff. You got to give me the bite-sized stuff. So I just want to say to you, if you're like, Pastor David, this seems like, whoa, this is theological and deep or whatever. It, it's not that it's deep. It just, it's, it's like Paul said to a couple of the churches that he wrote. He's like, have you even heard about the Holy Spirit? No, we haven't. We've only come to Christ. And that may be you. And maybe this is just new. So I want you to stay with me, okay? Just stay with me. And if you would, again, jump in the chat. Put a little ghost in the chat if you're excited about learning about the Holy Ghost. Put a, a question mark if you're like, whoa, this is new for me and I'm excited, but it's an unknown. Whatever it is, stay engaged, okay? So I want to read you 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a few verses here. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation and then I'm going to share with you a little bit about uh, the baseline for all these gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to be ignorant or misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led, ast led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. And then he says this, and this is the important segment I want you to see, verses four to seven. Hopefully you're in your Bible. If you're not, please get there quickly. Jump on you version, pull up the event, whatever. And here's where we, here's, here's the key as we get started. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, different kinds, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And then Paul writes this list of some, some gifts. And I, I want you to hear this. The words he uses here in verses four, five, six, and seven are differentiating. We can read it and connect all the dots as if he's simply giving us multiple facets of the same thing. What he's actually doing is saying to us what, what I've written about in the book of Romans, in, in Romans 12, or in, in later books, we, we read about gift offices and we read about other gifts. And Paul does this cool thing in 1 Corinthians 12 where he brings them all together in order to reinforce in us that the Spirit of God progressively does some development and dis, dis, kind of dissemination of gifts in us. And it's really cool. In verse four, we read that there are different kinds of actually spirituals or spirituality. It doesn't mean spirituality like religion. It means grace-oriented spirit favor. 
It's the Greek word charisma. It's a grace-based favor. And, and, and it's translated. We, the word gift is actually not in the original language there, but it's referential because it's there because in the, the language that follows, it's clear he's meaning these different types of gifts. So it's clarifying in verse 4. Charisma is the word, and it, it's a grace-based favor. And so he says, there's different kinds of grace-based favor, but the same spirit is the source of all of it. That's really important because so often we, we hierarchicize our spirituality based on how many gifts or what types of gifts or who's got gifts or who's baptized in the spirit and who isn't. And Paul's saying to us, that's bogus. Stop doing that. Desire all that God has. Be saying like we said last week, open your hands and say, God, ghost me. Just I want all that the Holy Ghost has. Whatever he's got, I want it all. And he's saying, and stop, stop trying to figure it out because God distributes grace-based favor to all as God sees fit. That's his, that's his domain, not ours. So then he goes on and says this, verse five, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And the word service there is the Greek word diakonia, and it means service. It literally means to serve or administration or minister. And it, it is referential to what we read in 1 Corinthians 12, so, or excuse me, Romans 12. So Paul does us a really good favor in the beginning. And he says, listen, serving is a grace-based favor. There are types of service that we read about in Romans 12, that's really important. And the Holy Spirit distributes those motivational gifts, the way we're motivated to serve, the, the way we're, we're motivated to engage the things of God, the people of the world, the way we're wired in our motivations is God-graced favor as well. Then in verse, the next verse there, verse six, it says God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us, in the in the, in the King James Version, the original kind of English translation, it says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And differences of operations, but it's the same God which works in all. And that is the second part. And it's a Greek word, energma, which means to perform or be productive. It's more the, the, the gift offices, we historically call them. They're ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor, those things. And so Paul says there's serving gifts, diakonia. There's these administration uh, gifts that are about performing and work. And then he gets to this last part, and, uh, and he says this um, in, verse, in verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit everyone or with all. It's the manifestation gifts. And that is a, there's another word there. It's phenerosis, which means to make clear or a manifestation setting forth plainly. In other words, God does some manifestational things by his grace and favor to make himself clear and make himself clear to other believers, to the world around him. But God by his spirit determines and drives that. And so often all of these things become subject to our human directive and our human wisdom instead of submission to the spirit's directive. And I want you to hear this. Whether this is new to you or not, whether, whether, whether you've walked with the Lord for, a, for 40 years or whether this is your fourth Sunday, I want you to hear this, that the Spirit of God is far more concerned about drawing all men unto God than even I am. And, and I don't mean even I am like I'm special. I'm just saying it is part of my calling and drive, my evangelistic calling, my pastoral calling. It, it's part of my wiring to see and prioritize the heart of a person transformed by the power of God and surrender in repentance and faith to Jesus. That's the way I'm wired. I'm desperately desirous of it. 
But the Holy Spirit wants it far more than I do or anybody else does. God wants his creation restored to him more than anybody else, which means that the Spirit of God is going to be more sensitive to the impetus for the function of our motivational gifts, diakonia, of our, of our energma or our energo, the, the, the production part, or the manifestation, phenerosis part. So the Holy Spirit is the guider and driver of all of this, which is really cool. It means he puts the stuff in the bag that's important for the home he's putting the bag at. I hope you heard that. So often, I mean, and, and, and listen, I, I, there are certain things I like. I can imagine my kids and friends talking about it at school about the things they like and the candy they like. And when someone goes to put the bag on my kid's porch and ghost them, they put the candy they know my kids like in the bag. They know something that my kids like is in the bag. My wife just had a birthday. She just turned 39. And see, it was awesome. And we got her gifts. What do we get her? The things that we knew she would love, that she would use, that would be valuable. We thought about her and gave her what she wanted, what she needed to enjoy the presence of them. And I, I just want you to jot this down. This is the big idea. I know you're saying, Pastor David, we've been talking for 15 minutes. Can't believe you're just getting to the big idea. So important. So important to set the table. Here's the big idea. Gifts unopened become gifts forgotten. If, if, if my kids got the bag of gifts and set them by the door, never opened it, it would be candy they forgot, toys they forgot. It would all go away. They would never remember it and they wouldn't enjoy it. And so there are kind of these stages of a gift, and I, and I want you to think about this as we, as we kind of work through this for the next few minutes. There's stages of a gift. First of all, there's knowing there's a gift. When someone gives you a gift, or you know someone's going to get you a gift, or you know you were ghosted, in my kid's case, you know there's something on the porch. There's a gift there. Knowing there's a gift is nice, but it doesn't mean a whole lot relative to the gift itself. It's just nice to know they exist. And, and for you, that's maybe where you've been. The gifts of the Spirit, the, the gifts of the ghost, are, are, you may know they exist. You may have grown up around a faith that treated them as known, but not necessary, important, valuable, or even theologically, um, you know, correct. And now you're leaning into the scriptures and you're hearing what God is saying to us by his word and by the actual specific language the author uses to say motivation, ministry, manifestation. There's a progression and you're going, oh my gosh, there are gifts. That's a big deal. The beginning of desiring the use and the value of the gift begins with knowing that there actually is one. Maybe this is the opportunity for you to go, wow, I didn't know the Holy Ghost was that big a deal. I didn't know that God was that concerned and that involved and that interested in the engagement of my world. Well, he is. So, so first of all, there's, there's knowing there's a gift. The second thing is discovering what the gift is. You got to actually open the box. You got to pull the bag inside and put your hand in it. You got to find out what it is. And that is not the same as experiencing it. And that's the last thing. Experiencing the function or purpose of the gift is the last part of it. You can know there's a gift that doesn't mean a lot. You can actually open the gift and understand fully what it is. And while that's nice, if you don't actually take it out of the box, hang it on the wall, put it on your, you know, put the, put the top on, open the box, put the, charge up the, the iPhone or whatever it is, you never experience the full measure of the intent of the gift. If you never open the Snickers bar, you'll never enjoy the peanuts and the caramel. Oh my gosh, do I want a snack right now? Okay, so here's what I want you to understand. Spiritually, God has given all of us gifts. And the first thing I want you to jot down beyond your big idea is this. Your gifts are as unique as you are. You, you, are, you are special and unique. And you may have heard this a thousand times from me, from your mom, from, from a, a wall hanging, from a card, from a friend at a special time. But you are desperately unique. 
Your facial features are unique. Your fingerprint is unique. Your retina is unique. There's so much about you that is only you. And God designed you and created you fully intended to be one of a kind. And what's cool is the spiritual gifts, there are like 25 of them in scripture and and God distributes them kind of in this unique packaging. There's some things someone would give me as a gift that they would also give Janelle, but there's a lot of things they wouldn't give either one of us. They'd only give the other one. Why? Because we're unique. And so the gifts are unique relative to the person. Have you ever gotten a unique gift? Like just something someone gave you that was so unique or special or tailored to you. And you're like, oh my gosh, how amazing is that? That's the way God is with his service gift, those, those, those administrative gifts or motivational gifts, his operational, you know, the, the, the gift offices. And then of course the manifestation gifts. The spirit gives them and equips us uniquely. Look at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, down there toward the bottom, verses 29 to 31, it says this. It says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret them? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. In other words, what he's saying is some people are some of those things. There are some apostles. There are some prophets. There are some teachers. There are some who have the gift of miracles and the gift of healing. And some have the ability to speak in multiple tongues and others interpret them. There's a a, a diverse, beautiful plethora of gifts. And God, by his spirit, the ghost, will give you the gifts that are tailored for and to you. But if you never reach in the bag and pull them out, out, and you never say, I want to learn the directions on how to use them. They, are, they're for, they become forgotten gifts. You forgot God did it. And for you, again, maybe you never even knew God did it. It isn't forgotten. It's just being discovered. My desperate desire is that you will begin to not only hear this and go, wow, the Holy Ghost is a big deal. God loves me desperately that his Holy Spirit would empower me manifestationally. That's available to me. We're going to talk a lot about that next week on Pentecost Sunday. Cannot wait for that. But God has gift offices. God has motivational wirings. Yes. And he's made you unique. He's distributed them as he sees fit to us. But here, here's the big deal. A lot of times we hear those things and we say, that's great. I don't know what mine are. I want to find them. We want to help you discover them. It begins with your motivational giftings. We want to help you do that. We've got a process to do that at LifeSong because we believe that, that we want to help people come to know God, live in freedom, discover purpose, and deliver hope. That's what we're about. And part of knowing God and living in freedom and discovering your purpose means identifying the way the ghost has gifted you. So we want to help you do that. And then the second thing is, I think just people need to, need to recognize this. Your purpose is fulfilled in your function. Your purpose is fulfilled in your function. So many people right now, we're isolated, we're struggling, we're working from home, we're dealing with the, we're coming back and we're, we're opening up and all that, but, but we struggled with, do I matter? Do I value? I'm behind a screen. I'm stuck in my living room. Some of the things that gave us purpose when we could travel, when we could go out, when we could do certain things, we discovered actually aren't very fulfilling after all. We miss them, but they're not fulfilling. What is fulfilling is functioning in your purpose and your purpose has to do with knowing how the ghost has gifted you. Here's what scripture says. I think this is awesome. In John 15, verses eight and 11, scripture says this, Jesus speaking, this is to my father's glory that you would bear much fruit. 
Showing yourselves to be my disciples. The fruit is the manifestation that people go, wow, you're a follower of Jesus. And I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. In other words, the absence of fruit manifested by the ghost is what keeps us from experiencing the full measure of our joy. It's when we operate out of the wiring, the uniqueness of our design that we find fulfillment. When our purpose is, 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 is in action, we are fulfilled. I love this. Jesus um, writes this, but then Paul further kind of speaks to this, right? Jesus says that you bear much fruit, but then in Galatians 5, it says this, but the fruit of the ghost of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. In other words, as the, as the ghost works in us with our, with our, uh, our motivational gifts, our, our ministry offices, those that are, that, are, that are called to an office, and then there's also our manifestation gifts. As those things play out and ebb and flow in us, we begin to see the fruit of the ghost manifesting. Now listen, listen, listen. Think about this. Kids, some kid leaves on your doorstep for your kids or they bring you for your birthday if you're 30, 39, like my wife, and then you open it up and it's a box of cupcakes and you eat all the cupcakes. And by the way, my wife makes the best cupcakes. We ate a whole batch of them, but what's the outcome of eating all those cupcakes? There is fruit from that. You don't eat fruit. There's the wrong kind of fruit and we call it extra weight, right? We eat, the, we eat the, 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 the cupcakes, we're going to gain weight. And what Jesus speaks to and Paul undergirds here is that as you engage all that the Spirit of God has distributed to you and has for you, as you say, God ghost me, as you discover how he's wired you motivationally and walk in it, as you begin to develop your skills and gifts in a gift office, as you begin to surrender to the Spirit of God and manifestation, you experience a, a change. There's fruit from that function. And it looks like greater love, greater joy, greater peace, greater patience, greater kindness, greater goodness, greater faithfulness, greater gentleness, greater self-control. And no one, no law of the land then or now is against any of that. That is what Jesus, I think, is speaking to when he says um, that people will know, showing you to be my disciples. Now, I've got one more thing for you to jot down. I want you to write this down. This is so important. Gifts are given to us, particularly our spiritual gifts are given to us, but they're for others. They're given to us, but they're actually not for us. The gifts that God distributes by his spirit to us, our motivational wiring, our gift office, and our spiritual empowerments, our manifestation gifts, as those things come along and are distributed to us and we seek them and we walk in them and we use them and we discover how to get better, as those things happen, we discover and we find our fulfillment because they serve, they serve the kingdom, which is the service of others, not self. Here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, God has given each of you from, uh, from his great variety of spiritual gifts. He's given you gifts. Manage them, so, manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you, not just to you. Listen to me. This is so important. Whether you have the gift of service motivationally or the gift of extravagant generosity, the gift to gain wealth, whether you have the gift of teaching or leadership, use it well to serve the body, that God's generosity would flow through you. That's not just financial generosity. It's relational generosity. 
It's, it's character generosity. It's refinement in relationship that God by his spirit gives you the gift to preach or teach. You're, you're, you're an apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor. God has given that to you. Actually, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in this passage here, give, these ministry gifts are referenced. The Greek word is doma. It means it's a gift like a present to his church. God is wanting to give a gift to his church. And then there's the manifestation gifts, gifts of discernment, gifts of wisdom, uh, the word of knowledge, healing, miracles, all these gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. And listen, we're going to talk about them, but I need you to understand the ghost's function in working and giving gifts before we can get into what they are fully. So, so here's what I want you to understand. All of us together, 1 Corinthians 12, at the end of it, we read it earlier, tells us that we are all part of God's body. And each of, each of us is a separate and necessary and important part of the body. Here's what I want you to understand. doesn't matter your background. If you've never known God, you've never surrendered your life to Christ, and you're just beginning a journey. I had a great conversation with a couple of people at our, at our uh, grocery outreaches on Friday and Saturday that are new to their walk with God. They found Christ joining us online over the last two months. I just want to say to you, if that's you, I'm so proud of you for saying yes to Jesus. Dozens and dozens of people. I had two conversations and they were just, they were saying to me, Pastor David, I've never heard this. I didn't know this. This is new to me. I just want to say, if that's the case, it's beautiful that it's new to you. We want to help you step into all that God has made you and wired you and designed you to be. There is more to walk toward than just the moment of surrender. And if you've, if you've, if you've been around the things of God a long time, you have a denominational background that has taught you that the Holy Spirit, you know, is past, you know, his, his time is over, his power is past, gifts are over. I just, I just want to say to you, please, 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 as we've, as we've jumped in last week and this week, would you just start to loosen up your hands and drop your rocks a little bit about that? I think the reason you hold them and I think most of the reason that, that that's taught is because it can seem weird or scary. I'm going to tell you a story about that next week. But I just want you to drop your rocks. And I want you to, instead of holding your rocks, I want you to drop them. And I just want you to turn your hands over right where you are, right in your living room. And just say, God, I want to be ghosted. I want to be ghosted. What you're, what you're saying is, God, I want all that you have for me. That's all you're saying. I want all that you have for me. Would you distribute to me all of the gifts that I can handle as I am now? And listen to me. As you do, for all of us, regardless of where we are, if you, if you walk with Jesus a long time, you've got a charismatic or a Pentecostal background, you've engaged the spiritual gifts, the motivational gifts, and, you've, and the manifestation gifts, God, you know, you, you know what yours are. I want you to be saying to the Lord, Lord, continue to refine my ability and capacity to use them for your glory and for your body's sake, for the kingdom's sake. All of them are to build up the body. None of them are to destroy it. None of them are to divide it. None of them are to, to, to punish it. They're all to build up the body. Would you just say, God, let me, let me grow in my, my recognition and my use of them. Here's what I know. I know that our church, like the church around the world, desperately needs all that God has for us. And we need the power and anointing of the Holy Ghost to walk in all that God has for us because we can't do it in discipline. And we need to use all of those gifts because the absence of their use is like a missing piece in a jigsaw puzzle. It means that our church is functioning, but there's three pieces missing, and we don't know exactly what that part of the image looks like. As, we, as God expands the borders of our church, he adds more pieces to the puzzle to fill in the borders. And he does that not just in our church, but in every church, in every church. So I want you to know how much I want you to say and lean into God about the invitation of, the surrender to, the submission to, the, the full, full uh, embrace of all 
that God has for you through the ghost. I wanna pray for you. And then I wanna ask those of you who've never said yes to Jesus to take a moment right now. Father God, I thank you for what you're doing in our church. I thank you that there are stories of miraculous healing. There are stories of restoration. There are stories of, of dreams and visions. There are stories of words of wisdom and knowledge. There are stories of powerful engagement of, of, the, of the Holy Ghost, the, the manifested, anointed in, in power of God, phenerosis as a testimony and witness uh, to make clear to the, the body and the world what is, what is the power of God at work, that he's still at work on the earth. He's not absent, but his spirit is working and powerful. God, I thank you that you're doing it. I pray right now for everyone who's got their hands flipped over is putting a ghost in the chat saying, saying I need the spirit. I want more of the ghost. Give me the ghost. I'm, I want to be ghosted. God, I pray that you would do what you say, that, that we don't have to beg and plead. We don't have to use major words or come up with lengthy prayers, that you respond. God, you're just desirous of a, of a heart posture that is open and hands that are open and a spirit that is open. So God, by your Holy Spirit right now, would you respond to the request to be ghosted? Would you overwhelm and fill and baptize by your spirit those that are listening and asking for it, God? Respond to the, the willing and desirous heart, Lord. I thank you for that. You are fully able and more willing and interested in doing it than even I am in preaching it, God. I thank you that you are doing it right now in Jesus' name. Now, if you've never said yes to Jesus, the beginning of the journey is there. So we're going to lead you in a prayer right where you are. I just want you to say these words. It's fairly simple, but here's what you're going to do. When you're done, I want you to put a little cross in the chat. I want you to put a check mark in the chat. I want you to put a, put a yes in the chat or I said yes today. You can even text to let us know that you took a step. We'll get you, that number will be on screen for you. But here's what, we're, here's what we're gonna do. I want you to pray this, and then I want you to let us begin to help you walk a journey, because we'll walk it. It won't just be Sundays. It'll be midweek. It'll be connecting at outreaches. It'll be engaging in a group of people who will help you engage your walk with Jesus. Here's, here's what I want you to say. Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for sending him. I thank you that he died for me. And I thank you for raising him back to life just for me. Today, God, I ask you to forgive me. Would you make me clean? Not because of my good works, but because of Jesus. And today, Jesus, I surrender to you. I call you my Lord, and I call you my Savior. It's in your name that I pray. Amen and amen. Listen, let us know that you took a step. I want you to clap your hands and shout. I want, you, I want you to say, thank you, Jesus, right there in your kitchen or your living room. Acknowledge what God has done, drawing you to himself, and in a moment, transforming you from death to life by his mighty power. Thank you, God. Listen, we're going to sing a couple of more songs. Would you stand up right there in your living room? Grab your kids' hands if they're there with you. Let's sing. Give God our best as we worship today.